Welcome to the City Hills Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that the message today helped you encounter God, love people, and discover purpose. For more information about who we are as a church, head over to cityhillschurchsd.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, click the Give button at the top of the homepage on our website. And now, let's jump right into the message. Hey there, welcome to City Hills Church Online. This week, we're kicking off a brand new series called Hope in the Dark. And can I be honest with you for just a second? One of the things that I learned early on in ministry is that some of the greatest speakers are the ones who share what God is actually dealing with them rather than just passing on information that they learned from the Bible. That the pastors who are able to just share from where God is actually dealing with some things within them. And they they pass that on with their learning with their congregation, not learning for their congregation and just and just preaching it to them. Those are the ones who make the most impact. And so for me, this series is as much for me and as much about what God is dealing with my heart as it is for you. And the only way that I feel that I can share with you is is to just share what God is speaking to me. Because in this season that we're walking through with the loss of my dad, I need hope in the dark. I need hope in the future that's ahead of us. There's never been a season that I've needed it more than now. And there's never been a season more than the one that we're walking through right now in your life with the struggles and the pain and just all that we've walked through. 2020 may go down as one of the darkest seasons of your entire life. And I know that's true because in all of our society, we're seeing anxiety and depression just skyrocketing like never before. And so this season may feel incredibly dark for you. And that may not be for every single person, But for most of us, we're feeling the strain of this season. But the truth that we can hang on to is that we serve a God who gives us hope in the darkest seasons of our life. We serve a God that when we feel weak and we feel broken, that he comes alongside of us and he gives us strength. And this series is going to remind us of the ways that we can have hope in the darkest most challenging, most struggling seasons of our lives. Today's message is titled Purpose in Your Pain. And while we've talked about this in a couple of different ways in different seasons, never more has these words been true in my life and never have they ever had the depth in my life. And so I want to share some things that God is dealing with me in my heart as we walk through this season, as we try to find purpose in our pain. And there's there's this kind of general lie that we all believe about pain. And, and we believe that people hate pain and they avoid it at all costs. And while that's true in some situations, I think what's truer is that people avoid pain and they hate pain that has no purpose, right? Like a paper cut. Like it's just, there's no purpose to it. It's awful. It's annoying. It's just there. Those are the kinds of pains that we, we hate. But the truth is people can endure purpose filled pain. What does that even mean? 
Well, just think about it. If you've ever tried to lose weight, if you've ever tried to break an addiction in your life, there's pain that you go through in order to find the ultimate goal on the other side. You, your calves feel like they're going to explode from running on the treadmill or from running outside. You, you, your back and your neck are seizing up from doing workouts and doing these things, trying to lose weight, but the pain is worth it because in the end, you know you're going to be a better person. You're going to be healthier. If you've ever tried to break an addiction, the withdrawal period of time is just brutal, but that purpose on the other side of it makes it worth it. Another great example would be childbirth. What other situation would you willfully sign up to be in pain and discomfort for nine months? Like, why would you ever do that? You hear these things like, oh, you're just glowing from being pregnant. You just have the pregnancy glow. And on the outside, it may look like you're glowing, but on the inside, there is just pain and discomfort and the world is in turmoil and things are stretching and pulling and there's there's a little human inside kicking their legs right into your spleen, right? Like it's it's painful. But that child on the other side of that pain makes it worth it. And that's the point. When we can find purpose in our pain, we can endure it. When we struggle with the whys and, and what's going on and, and is there anything for me to hold on to and be able to build from, when we can find some purpose in our pain, it gives us the strength to endure, to continue, to take another step. But when we feel like it's pointless and it's useless, we run away from it. James, the brother of Jesus, he wrote this in, in his very first chapter. He says in verse two, my fellow believers, when it seems as though you're facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. Wait, wait a minute. When, you, when you're facing nothing but difficulties, recognize the opportunity for joy. That's totally opposite of what we would want to do. Verse three, for you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then your endurance grows even stronger and it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. We have an opportunity to make a choice, a choice to allow our pain to produce purpose. I love the words of Psalms 34. It says, the Lord is close to all those whose hearts are crushed by pain. And he is always ready to restore the repentant one. Verse 19, even when bad things happen to the good and godly ones, the Lord will save them and not let them be defeated by what they face. God will be your bodyguard to protect you when trouble is near. Not one bone will be broken. This week, I needed to hear those words of verse 19, that even when bad things happen to God's children, the Lord will save us and rescue us from being defeated. Can we, can we just hang there for just a second? I needed those words so desperately because we felt that. Because I believe some of you feel the same way that I feel right now in this moment. We feel like we are defeated. 
Some of you feel like you've been broken past the point of being restored. You feel like your life, your heart, your soul, your emotions, who you are has been shattered to the point that it's like, God, how could you even bring me back from this? I've been pummeled. And that the Lord reminded me that the only way we can be defeated is when we choose to give up the fight. The only way that you and I can be defeated when we're leaning into him is when you and I give up. When you and I believe the lie that the fight is over, when you and I believe the lie that we cannot be restored, when you and I believe the lie that God can't take this pain and this brokenness and he can't rebuild it, when you and I give up the fight, then that's the only chance we can be defeated. But when you and I determine in our heart that this fight is not over, that I will not be defeated by this season. I will not let the darkness snuff out the light that is my life. I will not allow this to be the end of my story. When we make that choice, God comes alongside of us and he picks us up and he restores us. But the choice is ours. The choice is whether or not we're gonna give up the fight. Whether we're gonna believe the lie that nothing good can come from this. And that's exactly where our Bible character that we're looking at today found herself. And the story we're going to be reading is in the book of Ruth. And Ruth is in the Old Testament. It's a, a short little uh, chapter, a uh, book in the Bible before Jesus came to the earth, before even King David was born. And it's this story about a, a woman and her struggle to be restored after it felt like God had taken everything away. And the story begins by meeting this important Israelite couple from Bethlehem. And their names were Elimelech and Naomi. I'm not going to say his name a whole bunch of times because I will mess it up. But Elimelech and Naomi had two sons. But during that time, a famine hit Israel. And so they, they fled to Moab another country. And while they were there, their two sons came of age and, and they married two foreign women, two Moabite women. And the women's name, one was Ruth and one was Orpah. And in this 10-year period of time that they were there, Naomi's husband died. And shortly thereafter, both of her sons died. And this left her in this unenviable place where it's her and her daughter-in-laws with no one there to provide for them. In, this, in their culture, this was a huge deal because their inheritance, their livelihood, everything was in jeopardy because there was not a man to inherit his, their father's inheritance. And, and Naomi was way too old to be able to have another child. And so it felt like her life was over, that it was ruined. And so what Naomi did is she told her daughters-in-law, she said, listen, you're young enough to get married again. Go back to your family. Live your life. I'll live mine. It's been amazing. I love you, but you need to go. And so one of the daughter-in-laws, Orpah, did. And, and she wasn't just like, peace out. I'm done with you. It was, it was emotional, and they were crying, and they, they were devastated. But Ruth 
did something completely different. Listen to what she did in verse 16 of chapter one. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. Verse 18, when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. So the two of them continued on their journey. When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Is it really Naomi? Listen to this. Listen to this important verse. Verse 20. Don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant. She responded. Instead, call me Mara, which means bitter. For the Almighty has made my life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? I think this is an important point to see. Naomi didn't hide her struggle. Naomi was dealing with the weight of her grief. Naomi was feeling the weight of her situation. She said, don't call me pleasant. I'm bitter. And I'm bitter not just because life was tough. I'm bitter because the Lord took away my life. The Lord brought me fullness when I was in Moab, but he stripped everything away. And now I'm left with nothing. Naomi was honest and transparent with others and with God about how she felt. And I think this is a really important thing for us because, because you and I, so many times, we feel like we have to hide these feelings. We, we feel like we have to, if, if we're not good with God, then we need to just withdraw and pull away completely from him and that he doesn't need to be a part of our life. The enemy of our soul, the enemy of our purpose, wants us to believe that if we're not good with God, then we need to just push him completely out of our lives. When the truth is what God wants more than anything is when we're struggling with him, when we're struggling with our life, when we're dealing with our grief and our pain, he wants to be present in those moments, not have us push him away. I said at my, my dad's funeral, I said, I love God, but I don't like him a whole lot right now. But he's big enough to hold that. And I know in the end that he and I will make it through this. You see, what separates us from every other religion is that we're not a religion. Jesus followers are not a religion. We're in a relationship with the God of all creation. And in what other relationship, when we're struggling with each other, would we just divorce each other? Like in, in your marriage, every time you get in a fight, like every time your husband doesn't take the trash out, every time your wife forgets to put away the thing that trips you in the middle of the night, do you divorce them? No, of course not. We're getting divorced because I'm mad at you today, but we'll get remarried tomorrow and everything will be fine. We don't do that in any other relationship in our life, but the enemy of our purpose wants us to believe that if we're not good with God, if we're struggling in our life with some kind of sin, if we're dealing with something, if we're frustrated and angry with God, then that means we need to divorce him and live a life completely devoid of him. But that is a lie from the enemy. That's never what God intended. And here it is, Naomi is struggling with her grief and she's like, God, this is on you. This is on you. 
you took away. You could have done something about it. And in these seasons of pain and in grief, we feel those same things. And here's what I want you to understand. God's totally okay with that. God is not afraid of our questions. He's not afraid of our doubts. He's not afraid of our frustrations. And he's certainly not afraid of us struggling in our lives. What God is begging for us to do is allow him to be a part of our life when we're at our weakest point. He doesn't want to just be there when we feel strong. He wants to be there when we need him the most. Back in our story Naomi and Ruth were trying to figure out how to live their life, and they ended up in Bethlehem during harvest time. And during this period of time, there was no such thing as welfare. But what there was, it was this law that was built into the community in Israel that when a person was going to harvest their fields, whether it was grain or grapes or fruits or whatever it is, that they could go through once and get as much as they possibly could on that first harvest. And whatever was left over was left for the poor and for the widows. And so the poor and the widows could come into the fields and pick up what was left from the harvest and use that to live on. And so that's what Ruth, she knew that. And and that's what she decided to do. She was the stronger of the two. And she said, Naomi, let me go to the fields and work and collect some grain for us. So Ruth goes and she, she starts collecting in this field and she just happens to be in the field of the dreamy Boaz. And Boaz had heard of how Ruth had cared for her mother-in-law, how she gave up everything to care for Naomi. And his heart was moved and he began to treat her really, really special. So let's check out what happens starting in in chapter two, verse 14. At mealtime, Boaz called Ruth and he said, come over here and help yourself to some food. You can dip your bread in the sour wine. So she sat with the harvesters and Boaz gave her some roasted grain to eat. She ate all she wanted and still had some left over. When Ruth went back to work again, Boaz ordered his young men, said, let her gather grain right among the sheaves without stopping her and pull out some extra heads of barley from the bundle and drop them on purpose for her and let her pick them up and don't give her a hard time. So Ruth gathered barley all day. and When she beat out the grain that evening, it filled an entire basket. She carried it back into town and she showed it to her mother-in-law. This is really important. Check this out. Verse 19. Naomi asked, where did you gather all of this grain? Where did you work? May the Lord bless whoever helped you out. So Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man whose field she had worked. And she said, the man I worked with today is named Boaz. And this just set off a light bulb in Naomi's mind. Verse 20, may the Lord bless him, Naomi told her daughter-in-law. He is showing his kindness to us as well as to your dead husband. That man is one of our closest relatives, one of our family redeemers. Other translations call it a kinsman redeemer. And what that simply means is there's this law in Israel that whenever a man died and he, he left a widow, If he didn't have a son to to carry on the inheritance, to carry on the family name, either a brother or or the closest relative would actually marry that widow and have a child by them. And that child would actually be able to carry on the legacy of the man who died. And so Naomi is hearing this story of, of Boaz caring for Ruth, 
And it's just starting to like just shoot her with faith and excitement that, wait a minute, it's not over. We have an opportunity for a family redeemer, a kinsman redeemer to restore our life, to, to change the narrative that's been going on, to take this broken present and give us a hope-filled future. She's seeing this and she's feeling this and she is just thrilled, understanding that God had not abandoned her, that God had not left her with this endless struggle for an existence, that God had a plan all along. God's plan for Ruth and Naomi was not this endless existence of struggle. There was going to be hope in the dark. There's going to be hope in their season of pain. And as I read those words again, and as I I felt the Lord speaking to my heart about our family, about my life, about, about my family that I am leading now, the Lord was reminding me, my son, I am not going to leave you in this grief. I'm not going to leave you in this pain. I'm not going to leave you with this hopeless existence of struggle, just hoping that one day your life will be able to feel like it has purpose. God was speaking to me, my son, I've still got you. The plans that I've created before you, before you were even born, those are not blown up and disappearing because you're going through this season. It was a reminder that God is always at work, even through our pain. And some of you need to hold on to that hope in this season, that what you're walking through right now, God still is in control. God still has a plan and a purpose for your life, that God still has an opportunity for you to step out of your pain, to step out of your struggle, to step out of your sin, to step out of those things that have held you back for so long, that God has something incredible for you in the future. What he's asking for us is to simply trust and have faith that even in this season, he's still good and he's still in control, and that he's still present. The rest of the story continues in this this beautiful love story as as Boaz falls in love with Ruth, and he he does everything that he needs to by law to become their their family redeemer. And the story continues in chapter 4. Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and then he went to her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. Then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap, and cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. This is important right here. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. You see, Ruth had been barren. She she couldn't have kids when she was in her first marriage, but God still had a plan. As her and, and Boaz got together, they had a child. And this child represented an incredible future. That the pain that they had gone through, there was still purpose in it. And that God had an incredible, beautiful future ahead of them. But more than that, what I love so much about this story is that this story of redemption for Ruth and Naomi was actually the story of redemption for you and I. Because see, what you may have missed in the story is that they had birth to Obed, 
And Obed was the father of Jesse. And Jesse was the father of a boy named David who would eventually be known as King David. And so this story of redemption that seemed like their life was shattered gave birth and lineage to who would eventually be the king of Israel. But more important than that, for our lives, from the line of David, from his genealogy, came the birth of another king, a king named Jesus Christ. From this story of redemption where it felt like Ruth and Naomi's life was completely and utterly destroyed, that they had no future, that their inheritance, that their livelihood was held up in the law, that there was nothing that could happen, came a redeemer who gave birth to a son who eventually gave birth to Jesus generations later. And what I was reminded of again is that God will redeem even the worst of the situations and create a future for us that we could never imagine. Ruth and Naomi could never imagine that from their broken story would eventually become the savior of the world. And you and I have to hold on to hope in the dark that God can do incredible, miraculous things through our story, through our struggle, through our pain, through our just existence in this season where it feels like everything is crumbling apart. This is what God reminded me. Purpose in our pain is not the answer to the question why. Maybe you've been wrestling with that question. Well, God, why this? Why this situation? Why that person? Why this relationship? Why, why is this happening? And so many times you and I believe that in order to find purpose, we have to understand why we're going through it. And sometimes in God's grace, he helps us to see why. But in other times, we don't. Finding purpose in our pain is not getting the answer to why. Finding purpose in our pain is holding on to the hope and the trust that there's joy and there's healing on the other side of this season. Finding purpose in our pain is allowing God to use our brokenness, to use our weakness, to use the shattered pieces of our existence to lead us to a greater and greater purpose in our life, that you and I can hold on to things that feel like they're broken and they're just crumbling away in our hands, that we can hold on to those small pieces and hand them over to God, and God can take those things and make something beautiful out of them. Purpose in our pain is not the answer to why. Purpose in our pain is trust that there's still a future, that we can still hold on to this. We can hold on to the fact that God is still good, that God is still faithful, that God is still going to take the shattered pieces of our life and use it for an incredible purpose. And listen, those words aren't easy. Believing that there's still this 
incredible future ahead of us right now is so hard for me to believe. It's so hard for me to hold on to. It's so hard for me to just to look at my life now and the pain that I feel and, and the weight of, of the responsibility and, and all that's coming with it is so difficult to hold on to that and go, God, I trust, I trust that somehow through this, you're gonna bring something beautiful. It's hard for me to look at that and not have my daddy. Like it's so difficult to do that, but I'd have to believe and trust that in the middle of my pain, in the middle of my hopelessness, in the middle of the darkest season, that if I hold on to that faith, if I hold on to that trust, if I make the choice that I will not give up, I will not be defeated, I will not let this be the end of my story. When I do that, God will help me turn the page and start a new chapter of my life, a chapter where he can show his faithfulness the same way he showed it in the beginning, the same way he showed his faithfulness when we moved to California, the same way he showed his faithfulness when we lost a child, the same way he's shown his faithfulness when we've been through financial situations, the same way he showed his faithfulness in our family time and time again, the way he's shown his faithfulness for generation after generation, the, the, the way that he has shown his faithfulness to my father. If I can hold on to those times where he's been faithful to me in this season, I can watch him be faithful in the next one. But you and I have to make the choice that we will not be defeated by this season and that we will find purpose in our pain and that we will make the decision that the enemy doesn't win today. The enemy doesn't win because we're not giving up the fight. We're not giving up. We're not going to let this season be the end of our story. We're going to allow God to close this chapter that is incredibly painful. And he's going to turn the page to a new one where he will prove himself time and time again. You and I have to make that choice. Finding purpose in our pain is not getting the answer to why. But it's holding on to the trust and the hope that there is a future and that there's healing on the other side of this. You and I can make that choice today. As difficult as it may be, you and I can make that choice and watch as God proves himself faithful to us. Come on church, let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's, it's in these moments where so many people have given up the fight it's in moments like these that we've seen people give up their will to continue to live. They've given up their will to press forward. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you give us supernatural strength to be able to navigate this season with, with a strength that just surprises everyone. That you give us supernatural faith to be able to believe that even in the darkest moments of our life, even through the pain, even through the struggle, that we can hold on to the fact that you are faithful, that you are good, that you are with us. And Lord, in this moment, I pray for every person who is hearing these words, that you would restore faith to them and restore hope to them, that you would give them dreams of their future, that you would give them peace in their heart, and that you would allow them to see that even in the midst of their struggle, they can find you, that you're right there with them. God, don't let them give up the fight for the relationship that they have with you. Don't let them give up the fight for the purpose that you created them with. 
God, give us the strength to walk through these seasons with our head held high and our eyes focused on the hills from where our help comes. God, we trust you. We keep our faith in you, even if it's hard. And we believe that through the pain, we will find purpose. We love you. We pray all of this in your strong and your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed the message today. We would love to be able to partner with you on your faith journey. Regardless of where you're at or what you're walking through, know that your friends at City Hills Church are here for you. If you would like for us to pray for you, click the contact button on the top of the homepage and share your request with us. Our prayer team will keep you and your family in prayer every week. We hope you have an incredible day and that you discover a little more purpose throughout your week. We look forward to seeing you soon.